Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song. If you join us as we sing, open the eyes of my heart. Glad to have you here in the in the building, and I'm glad to have you online. And so we're going to come together. We've already sang and worshipped, and we're going to continue to do that, and we're going to look into God's Word. But before we do that, or as a part of that, 
Uh, we serve a living God. We await His return. We, you know, one of the things that, that I, as I read about, you know, we're, we're hoping 2021 is a better year. Let's have better sight than that. Let's hope that, that, that we see the return of, God, of Christ. Uh, let's long for that. But let's long for the readiness uh, for that to happen. And so for, for God's kingdom to come. So we want to look towards that. We want to pray for that. We want to pray for our, our nation. We want to pray for the people of our church, the people of our community. And most importantly, let's pray that people who don't know Jesus, even today, would come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Father, we, we give you thanks. And Father, there are many things to pray for. As we think about our nation and we uh, think about the... the, the uh, COVID, we think about things along that line, um, kids going back to school and all that. Father, we, we place that in your hands. We put our trust in you. And Father, of utmost importance, each of us knows somebody that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I want to stop for a moment and I want to pray that that person, Lord, would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I want to pray for our, our sister churches, Lord. Father, in our community and beyond these, the community boundaries here across the land. Father, I pray that today you would speak, Lord. Father, we would listen. Father, we would go out and share your love. In Jesus' name. Nani amawai shikuwa na polisi? Nani amawai kuriwa na chawa? Nani amawai laranja kwa street? Nani amawai durumiwa kimapenzi? Ama anajua mtuwa. okay for me to go ahead and do a song? You Okay. All right. We're going to come back together and worship God through song. Um, yeah, it's all good. All right. Here we go. Please join me. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Calls for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet. Sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a 
by grace draw near and bless your name. Good morning. You have your Bibles with you. You're following along in the Bible app that we have set up for you. You're, we're going to be in Joel chapter 3. And I will tell you before we start, we're going to read the first couple verses and then we're going to skip down to the 12th verse. And I'll kind of give you an overview of what's in between there. That's where we're going to be reading from this morning. So let's do a little bit of, of um, let's look back through the book of Joel and kind of map out where we're at right now. And that'll help explain the question that I'm going to ask in just a moment. So in the beginning, we started with the plague of the locusts. And the locusts came, and there was four rounds of locusts. The first locust took 25% of the crop, or 25% of the plant, then another 25 and then there's nothing. All right? God wanted to get their attention. God wanted to get their attention. There's a call for repentance. In the second chapter, we start out with the armies. Now it's not the locusts. It actually looks to be a physical army that's come down and, and carried away uh, the, the kingdom, carried away the, them in ca captivity. 
So when we look at that and we look at the destruction and the, the, uh, the day of the Lord that Joel describes, we move through the second chapter. And the second chapter gives us a beautiful look. It's something we don't often get to see. God has asked the people to repent, to rend their garments, to turn their hearts, not just their, their, their actions, but to turn their hearts back to Him. That's what God is asking the people. And here's the thing that God does through the prophet Joel. Joel says, God says this, if you will do this, this is what I will do for you. A beautiful passage. What was green was now desolate. What used to look like the Garden of Eden now looks like Death Valley. And if you will repent, if you will repent, it'll look like the Garden of Eden again. And, and I'll drive away the army. I'll cast them away. I'll bring back the latter and former rains to the ground so that the, the crops begin to produce. And I'll make up for all the time that you went without. In abundance. That's what happens if you will repent. And then we have the pouring out of the prophecy on, on God's people. So it's, it's people telling people about the goodness of God. We're going to come to the third chapter, and it's going to answer this question. The first question is, what if I do? The next question is, what if I don't? Right? That's the flip side. That's the B side to our record there, right? All right? That's the, the, the flip side of that. What if I do, and what if I don't? Now, here's the, the thing that you and I have to wrestle with. Oftentimes, we are given decisions on what we want. Would you like apple pie or coconut cream pie? Is the apple pie fresh out of the oven? Coconut cream tastes the same most of the way. You know, we, well, I'll take the apple pie if it's hot. And if, do I get ice cream with that, right? So you think about those kind you ask those kind of questions, right? You, you guys have been faced with that all over Christmas. Do I want that cookie or this cookie? Do I want this treat or that treat? So we get that. What if I do, I, if I say yes, then I get the apple pie. We often think that I can make no decision. And that I can stay in the place that I am. I don't want either coconut or apple pie. Let me bring it down to this. You can't make a decision here and stay neutral. That's what Joel chapter 3 talks about. So let me put it in terms that I would understand. And maybe you can follow along with me. I love apple pie. So that's one choice. If I, if I return to God, I'm going to get apple pie. And if I don't, I get liver and onions. I hate liver and onions. Okay? Now, when you line up those two choices, I might 
I might pass on some, you know, sometimes we might, well, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'll pass on the apple pie. No, no, you, you have to eat one or the other. I think that's what Joel does for us, is it breaks it down in a way that it's obvious the choice that we want to make. Now, being obvious doesn't mean we'll still do it, right? We look at the nation of Israel, and oftentimes they didn't make the right choice. They, they, it's obvious. We're reading along. It's obvious that you should make this choice. But oftentimes they don't make that choice. And then they end up, what if you don't make the right choice? What if you don't make the right choice? I believe Joel chapter 3 is going to picture for us something that we can understand in a relatable way. In a relatable way. So let's pick it up in the first verse of chapter 3. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. We're going to skip from the third verse down to the twelfth verse. Now, in those verses, it talks a little bit, gives a little bit more detail about the sins of the other nations, a little bit about readiness. Let's pick it up in the twelfth verse. Let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. For the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem, and His heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for His people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. And in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to the water of the valley of Shittim. Egypt will become a waste, and Edom will become a desolate wilderness because of the violence done to the sons of Judah, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem for all generations. And I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells. In Zion. We ended chapter 2 with this. The 32nd verse ended with this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. That's important for us to remember. When we're reading up to that point, I don't think we gather the fullness of that, of that verse or that what, what God says here. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Remember that. Remember that. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Because we need to take it past the time of Joel to our time. 
to the present time. Remember, when we read Old Testament, when we read Scripture, it's not that we're reading a history lesson. It's not that it, it, what, what we're trying to understand is how does this history lef- lesson intersect with our life and how you and I live it out today. And so this verse, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered, it still has importance in our life today. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. It's John 3, 6, and right. For, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting, but have everlasting life. So that's the choice that's given to us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that's what John 3.16 is talking about when we believe, right? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Let's look at the picture that's presented to us in Joel chapter 3. The picture is of the nations gathered for judgment. The nations gathered for judgment. And Judah and Jerusalem. We have two groups. It's the Valley of Jehoshaphat is what it's it's called. And I will tell you this, I'll probably reference this a little bit later, uh, but they don't really know that the Valley of Jehoshaphat is a physical place. They don't know that it's a physical place. But I want you to understand, uh, I I, I stepped in the Sunday school class and, and, and was reminded about our trip to Israel and actually questioned about that. And I remember as we stood on Mount Carmel, I just read through... Uh, that in First Kings not too long ago on my own. And, and I remember looking out from Mount Carmel, looking down on the valley floor. And that's the valley floor that they figure is referenced in, in Revelation, that here we are, this is where the final battle is going to take place. Now as I read about the valley of Jehoshaphat, or the valley of decision as it's called a little bit later on, it doesn't reference that particular place. But God gathers the nations in this picture to a valley where He can bring all of them together. And when when we look from Mount Carmel, you realize that that there's a lot of people who could fit there. When you think of a mountaintop, a mountaintop is, is the one guy, right, on top of the mountain. But in a valley, everybody can be there. And so in this picture... We have the nations for judgment. And we have Judah and Jerusalem. In the picture, it is a picture of those who opposed God and God's people. If you were in opposition to Judah and Jerusalem, you were in opposition to God. And that included all of the surrounding nations. Assyria, Babylon, and, on down, and Egypt, and on down the line of the nations that are mentioned in there. Everybody that was against Judah and Jerusalem is going to be judged. Those who called out to God, those that are delivered, are Judah and Jerusalem. So to me, that, that makes an easy picture for me to understand. I put Judah and Jerusalem, I put them in a little um, area, and I slap them down, and they're over here. Now, they're protected by God. But the rest of the world, the rest of the nations, they come and they gather in the valley. And they're going to receive the judgment. 
The what if you don't is what they're going to receive. They get the liver and onions only a lot worse than liver and onions. Burnt liver and onions, all right? If you can make liver and onions even worse. So this is what they get. Now, this is, we'd like to think of it as a history lesson. But let's talk about the future judgment. Let's talk about the future judgment. So, if you were to turn into Matthew chapter 13, this is an example, right? An example of what we see in Joel chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 13, and there's a couple of places where Jesus, as he's teaching the disciples, talks about the separation. And it's kind of ugly. He talks about the tares and the wheat, and that's the one that we have on the screen there, down here or on the, beside me here. The tares and the wheat. And what we, what we want is wheat, right? Because you can make bread out of wheat. You can make rolls that you put butter on. You can make that out of wheat. But tares, you can't make nothing out of that. And so the tares are the bad thing. The wheat is a good thing. So what happens is they're going to harvest in Matthew chapter 13, which means they're going to bring out the sickle. And they're going to cut down the wheat. They're going to bring it in. And when they do that, they're going to separate the wheat from the tares. The tares will be what? They will be burned. The wheat will be a blessing. You see the difference there, the the, the separation of the two. As a matter of fact, when you read in Revelation chapter 14, it talks about the end times, right? We're all fascinated with that. We want to know how it works out. And in there, God instructs the angel to pull out the sickle because... The harvest is ready. So we see that play out as we walk through this scene in Joel in a fashion that I hope that you and I can relate to. I know times we, we've studied Revelation. We went through Revelation a while back. And, and there's all these things to get caught up into. And when I look at Joel, it just kind of simplifies it for me. It kind of takes the, the parable that Jesus has and and puts faces on it. It puts faces on it. And it tells me that there will be a separation. It It restates what I see in other places in the Scripture where it says when the day of the Lord occurs, there will be a separation. You will have needed to make a choice. You will have needed to make a choice. And so either you're a tear or you're a wheat in Jesus' parable. In the story of Joel, you're either with Judah and Jerusalem. You're one who has repented and rended your heart and called on the Lord to deliver him. Or you're one who has not done that and If you've not done that, you stand in opposition. You stand as one of those nations that will be judged in that valley. And 
if I bring it into John 3.16 territory, into New Testament territory, into our time, there's a difference between a believer and an unbeliever or a non-believer. You're either one or the other. There's no neutral ground. You either believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, as we just celebrated Christmas. He lived among us, God with us, hence the term Emmanuel, God with us. He walked and, and he taught, he performed miracles. He was the Son of God who we would crucify. We crucified because he was crucified. Why? Because of his guilt? No, because of our sin. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. He shed his blood. And they buried him in a tomb. And that was the end of it. No, on the third day, the stone rolled back and he walked out. He didn't get carried out. They didn't carry out his dead body and go move it to another tomb. He walked out, resurrected, having overcome death. And then we understand that he did that for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, whoever believes in him, right? You believe that he died for your sins. You believe, I'm, my life's a mess. I belong in the presence of God. I can't get there. You recognize that. And you come and you listen to the story and say, he did that for me. And you ask for forgiveness. You place your faith and your trust in Him to save you. You believe. You either you do or you don't. And so that's the separation. That's the separation that Joel provides in a clear way for me. When I look at the end times, and I, I look at all of the things that, that, you know, will this happen first? And who's going to be the Antichrist, etc.? Joel simplifies it for us in, in, in that third chapter. God gives it to us this way, here in a way that they could understand, in a way that we can understand. There will be a valley of decision, as it's referenced in the latter part of the chapter, moving from the Valley of Jehoshaphat to being called the Valley of Decision. And it's not you or I making the decision. It's not the people in the valley making the decision. It is God who is judging the people. And when He doesn't see the blood covering, and we look in the Old Testament, the blood on the, on the doorposts in Egypt, if the blood is not the blood of the lamb is not there, the firstborn will die inside. That house will be judged. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ becomes our propitiation. His blood covers us so God doesn't see our sin, but rather sees the mark of the lamb of God on our life. In that, in that valley of decision, God is looking 
Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is the blood covering you? Are you part of my people? And in this case, it's Judah or Jerusalem. Or are you part of those who, however you stood, you stood in opposition to me? Here's what happens. What if I don't? Egypt and everybody else will become a waste. Burned. The judgment will come down upon them. And Judah will be inhabited forever and blessed. You see, the what if I don't and what if I do I find it interesting is to think about Egypt. Egypt's the place that God drew His people out of. Delivered them. The story of salvation, so to speak. God delivers them from the slavery they are in. When I understand what happens in the end times, God will destroy what once held us in chains. God will destroy the enemy that duped us and held us in bondage to sin. The enemy of God will be taken out. He will be laid waste if I look at that. And God's people will go on for eternity in the presence of God. Now, in the valley of decision, it's God making the decision. As I stand here and read that, not being in the valley or overlooking the valley, here's the deal. You and I need to make a decision before that. Because once we're in the valley, the only decision left is for God to make, not for you or I to make. So, I'm going to ask you this question. What is your decision? Not that decision you're making in the valley, but what is your decision today? Will you follow Christ? Will you, will you turn to Him, rend your garment, ask for forgiveness, and cry out to Him and be delivered? Maybe you've already done that. And you can rejoice and you can look at this passage of Scripture and be thankful that you've made the right choice. You've made the correct choice. You have made the eternal choice. You have made the blessed choice. You have made the choice to dwell with the one who created you forever and ever in his presence. With the blindness of this life removed. What is your friend's decision? What's your child's or your, your spouse's decision? Your parent's decision? You, those are the kind of things that, that when I look here, it, it reminds me that there's an urgency. You know, oftentimes we, we put off decisions because we don't honestly have to make it right now. 
You've seen the dessert tray go by, and you're eating salad. I don't have to make my decision now. I can make it later. It's often how we look at life. And so what we need to understand is that that I don't know when this is going to happen, right? We don't know when the trumpet will blow and the previous the dead guy on a white horse comes bursting through the clouds and, and the dead in Christ would rise first and then we, which are alive and remain, would be caught up with Him. And at that point, I'm hoping that we've made the right decision. So it, it's pertinent that we get out there and, and think about our decision and think about others' decisions. Because everybody, no matter what they look like, what they dress like, all those other things, some things that we actually oppose, they embrace. But Jesus Christ hung on the cross so that their sins might be forgiven. When when I, I look at how Joel's letter is written, book is written, the judgment, the, the, the call to return, and this is what you get if you return, this is what you get if you don't return. I go back to the 28th verse of the second chapter. And it says this, It will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. And your young man will see visions. I see a lot of rhetoric about, man, the way things are going, this is, this is the end times, right? You know, we, we all ought to be ready. Well, telling somebody you all ought to be ready isn't sharing the gospel with them. It's not this verse. And as I walk through the book of Joel, I wonder if God won't do this as He did in Peter's time on the day of Pentecost. If He won't raise up people like you and I, not just the preachers, but the, not just the missionaries, not the deacons, not the Sunday school teachers, but everybody who knows Jesus to pour out His Spirit on them. Because he's going to, as God often does, full of grace and mercy, as he's gearing everything up to happen in the courts of heaven, as, as Christ is gathering his sword for the reaping, if God won't one last time send out his people, to deliver the message to a world that so dreadfully needs it. And He won't give everybody who stands opposed one more chance to repent. As we look for that end time, we ought to be fulfilling this and carrying the Word out to those people What's the fix for people's life? It's not a stimulus check. It's a gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank You.
for this day. Father, I thank you for this message that we've walked through in the book of Joel. Father, I pray that you would help us to apply it to our life. Help us to understand how it intersects with my life today and tomorrow. Father, help us to turn to you. Father, help us to share your love with a world that lives in brokenness. In Jesus' name, amen. chains are gone and I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are today. Uh, one final thought on Joel. It's interesting that that as the, the nations are gathered in the Valley of Judgment, uh, rather than to stick with that storyline and, and watch the ugliness of what happens, um, Joel turns and looks at the goodness that God gives. And I pray that we'd go out today and turn somebody from the ugliness 
for the good. And so I uh, thank you. I, I apologize a little earlier. We had the video that played, and I will speak to that. That was as we as we replicate the services and plug and play things. That's one that it's a leftover in there. But it's also a reminder as we talk about this going and sharing. That was one of our IMB videos, and and if nothing else, pray for those who are sharing the gospel around the world. And very very, you think that we're oppressed. We get, you know, I hear people, oh, we, we can't meet for church. What a horrible thing. Uh, we are, we're meeting now. There are places where they can't openly carry a Bible. There are places where they can't openly worship. But yet we have missionaries there sharing the hope of Jesus. So do pray for them. I encourage you to read along with us. We're reading, reading Scripture, right? This is the time of year when you start all good things. We're gonna, we've been through this for over a year now. One of these days I'll share the list of things. You, some of them you read twice. But reading 2 Corinthians and Psalm, Proverbs and John, those chapters are there. I encourage you to read those. Come back on Wednesday night to our online spot on Facebook or on YouTube, and I'll have a video that will pick out some, some verses there, and we'll talk about that. We don't cover the whole thing, but we'll cover some of what you read. Because, again, what we're doing is we're reading the Scripture so that we understand how it intersects with our lives, so that we draw closer to the one who loves us more than anyone else. So thank you. If you need to make a decision this morning, online, reach out to us. If you're here, I'll be standing out here and we can have a, that talk. Thank you.